0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit OverflowIndy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. All right, I'd like to welcome up Pastor Jesse, bring in the word. Awesome. Um, man, that that time at the end of worship was pretty amazing, huh? Pretty special. Thanks, Foxworth, for the communion time. That was also very powerful. Yeah, I, I just the, the spirit was stirring in the room, and I think that we should actually just take a, a moment to just dip back in that before I get into my word, what do you guys think, why don't you guys stand with me if you're able to, and, and let's, just, let's just lift our hands to the Lord and, and just invite the Holy Spirit to just flow some more, Holy Spirit we love you, <laughs> we love you Lord, we want you to flow, Hallelujah. Yeah, if you have a prayer language, let's just pray in the Spirit for a moment. And if you don't, and, and if you liked that hum thing, that was awesome. We never did the hum before. I liked that. But you can hum or just, or just ask the Holy Spirit just show up in English, however you want to do it. But if you have a prayer language, let's, let's just pray in it for a moment, all right? All right. <laughs> nama brasa karanamo ramosaki aradaborsha. Kelo robosarama namaroshi roshiki. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shakaramo nonisi. Shema robosam brasasaka brositi. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, flow, Holy Spirit. We invite the angels to come and to minister right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heaven on earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Laura Laura was was just exhorting us to remember that if you don't feel something, you can stir it in your spirit. You, You get to access that on purpose from your spirit, man. Just to tap into the heavens around us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, Holy Spirit, I, I pray for encounters with you right now, Lord. Minister to hearts. Thank you, Lord. Just transfer things from heaven right to us right now. Thank you, Lord. You know what we need. You know what each person needs, Lord. Just release it right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, let's let's just worship him for a moment. We worship you, Holy Spirit. We worship you, Lord. Whoa. Yes, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. Whew. He's responding. We love you, Lord. Malobra yeah, Baba just express love to him right now. We love you, Lord. He responds to your woos of love. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. All right, once you guys be seated and once you're seated, just just take a deep breath in. Just breathe in the the wind of God right now. Oh, we love you, Lord. Hmm. You guys love his presence? Me too. Well, if you're the type of person who likes to turn your Bible to where we're going to be before we get there, then you can turn it to Matthew 16. Um, I've been doing a series on ecclesia, God's version of the church, and I've just just really felt this on my heart, like just weighted on my heart for two years And I felt like this is the right time and I I don't know why now, but um Yeah, but we're gonna keep pressing into this stuff. I've been noticing a lot on social media, like I I just I just see you see all kinds of stuff on there, but one thing that I'm finding that I'm seeing more frequent now than I think I ever did before is Christians speaking out against the church and, and with real negative thoughts, you know, bold negative thoughts against the church, and we all know there's stuff, right? We all know that the church, there's a lot of imperfections in the church, and I mean, there's, there's even a new series, I think, that came out on one of the streaming services about Hillsong, and I haven't watched it, but just all the, the crazy stuff that's going on there. And I think the more that kind of stuff happens, the more people just can come to greater conclusions that the church is just not a good thing. <laughs> but how many of you guys think that that's what God thinks about his church? That's not a good thing. Uh, yeah, he doesn't. And I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to, to restore our honor and value. To God's church, and and I'm on a mission to help restore our understanding of just how powerful His church is. And when I say His church, I mean you. <laughs> All right, how powerful you are, and how powerful we are collectively. Amen. So if you guys can, if you guys can open up to Matthew 16, um, I'm going to read the same passage I, I was on last week. We're going to keep pressing into this. Um, <clears throat> Matthew 16 is the first time in the Bible, at least in the New Testament, when the, the word for church shows up in the Bible, it's, and it's the Greek word ekklesia, it's the first time it shows up, and I, I also find it interesting that that word only shows up two times in the Gospels, so there, there's only twice that Jesus mentions his church. But then, then in the book of Acts, obviously, that's when the church actually explodes and becomes what it became. And then you see the word church like many, many times after that. But, uh, but this is the, one of the two times that Jesus talked about the church. And I want to read this. We're going to read Matthew 16, 13 through 21. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And last week I talked about how that term, the Son of Man, is, it's actually a messianic title from the Old Testament. The, the Bible, I, th- I think it's in Daniel maybe, it, it calls him the Messiah, and it's called Son of Man, which means it's the Messiah, but it gives kind of the earthly perspective of who he is. So it's, it's, it's the humanity part of the Messiah, okay? So he said, who do, you, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah and one of the prophets. He said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Everybody repeat that with me. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. God. See, that was an upgraded perspective of who he is. All right. So far, people saw him as a great man of God, and they saw him as an anointed man. They knew that God was on him, and God was working through him, but through their, uh, through their human abilities, where they didn't actually have the Holy Spirit to give them deeper insight yet, they could see him as an anointed man, and, and even a prophet, but, uh, and so they even named him as the greatest of the prophets, all right, John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah, all the great ones. And they, they thought maybe that's who he was. And, and that's kind of cool. But Jesus is like, okay, but who do you say I am? Like, he could have just stopped and kind of tipped his hat to himself on that one. But he's like, I want to know who you think I am, though. And so Peter, you know, he, he's, he doesn't see him just as a, a mere man with God's anointing on him. He actually can see him in the spirit now where he can see who he is from the spirit level. And he said, you are the Christ. That is another term for the Messiah. That's the Greek version, it's Christos. It's the Greek version of the Hebrew of Messiah, or Mashiach, I think is how they say that, right? And so, but it's the, it's the Greek version of Messiah. And he, but he says, you're not just the Messiah, the son of man. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Come on. So he sees him as greater than just a man who's got an anointing on him. He actually sees him as deity. So this is a declaration that upgrades the term of Messiah from Son of Man to you actually are deity, all right? So this is the first time that... The, the, somebody had a revelation where Jesus actually was deity himself. And so verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I want to just say that flesh and blood can reveal to somebody that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of Man. All right, the flesh and blood, like you can fathom with your own reasoning faculties, if you will, that, that you can see who Jesus is if you, if you can just deem him as a great man with a great anointing on him. But it takes, the, it takes actually the spirit, it takes God himself to unlock your eyes, to be able to truly see Jesus, who he is, the Christ, the son of the living God. All right, And we all, like Christians, can say that because we know that's the pat answer, right? But, but God's not looking just for pat answers like Jesus is the Christ. Well, he's the Son of God. Like we can say that without even thinking about it. But there's something different about saying it out of form and religion. There's another thing about actually connecting your heart and your spirit and seeing it with your spiritual eyes, being able to see who Jesus is. The revealed Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Amen? You guys awake so far? Are we good? All right. All right, so, G- so he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So it's actually the Father of Jesus himself. Who, who actually touched Peter and, was, and gave him the ability to see from the Spirit to perceive who Jesus is, not just externally, but internally, the Spirit man of Jesus. Whoa, you are greater than just an anointed prophet. Whoa, I'm, I'm looking into you now. I see you in the Spirit. I, I'm beholding God himself. That's amazing. And so Jesus is like, he's blessed. He's blessed. The, the, finally, he's got somebody who can see him, not just by, not just by human proclamation, but actually by spirit. He, this man sees me for who I am. He sees me in the spirit. And, he, and Jesus says, there's nobody that could reveal you this except my Father. And I think it's amazing that it's the Father. He doesn't even say the Holy Spirit, even though I think it's obvious the Holy Spirit's involved with revelation but he actually gave the credit to his father. And why would he credit his father? Because he's a family God, and this is his son. All right? It's a sonship thing that God's revealing to everybody. And he, and he goes on, he says, and, and I say to you that you are Peter. And I talked to you guys about this last week, that Peter in the Greek is Petros, okay? And he says, And on this rock I will build my church. You are Petros, Petros means rock, okay? It actually means rock. So he, he, he said, like, he was actually known as Simon before this, but he's saying, I'm going to change your name. No longer Simon Barjona, now I'm going to call you Peter, I'm going to call you The Rock. The Rock. And I'm not talking about the actor. He's big, he's awesomer than, than Dwayne, all right? But, but, but he calls him the rock, but the rock Petros actually means little rock, or it means a piece of a greater rock, okay? So it's not actually the big rock, but he says, I'm going to call you Peter, the little rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And a lot of people believe that, that Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my rock on this apostle named Peter, But that's not what he's actually saying, because he's saying, on this rock, I'll build my church. This rock is not Petros, it's Petra, which actually means huge, massive, solid rock. All right? And so what Jesus was actually saying is, I'm going to build my church on the rock. What is the rock? It's that revelation that Peter had of Jesus being the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay? So Jesus said this, he said, you can see me now in the spirit, you can see me with your spirit as God himself, as God myself. (laughs) You see me as the Messiah, you see me as the son of the living God, you you see me in spirit and because you have this revelation, I can build my church on that thing right there. Amen? Amen? So everybody say this with me. What what is the what is the foundation that Jesus builds his church on? Everybody say this with me. He's Jesus the Christ, the Son of the Living God. So Jesus builds his church on the foundation of the revelation of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Amen. Let me proceed here. All right. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That is powerful. All right? His church that he builds is so powerful that even hell itself cannot overcome it. That's amazing. All right? Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. And it goes on to talk, and he tells his disciples that he's going to have to suffer things and die and be resurrected on the third day. All right? Because he always brings the cross, burial, and resurrection central to everything that he's building. All right? <clears throat> okay, so here we go. Jesus built his church on the rock of the revelation of himself. All right? It's Jesus' church, right? And Jesus builds his church, and what does he build it on? A foundation. What is the foundation? It's the revealing of the true Jesus Christ, it's the revealing of the Son of God. Okay? So he builds, he builds it on the Petra, the big solid foundation rock. But then he, he talks to Peter who had this revelation and he says, you had a revelation of the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Therefore, I'm going to start calling you the rock. I revealed the rock to you. And now you're gonna. I'm changing your identity to come into union with the revealing of this thing that I'm showing you. That I will build my entire church upon. All right. So, so he named it. He didn't name him Petra, but he named him Petros. It's a piece of the big big rock, right? So he brings him into the revelation that he will build upon. So Peter's revelation caused him to become transformed into the same thing that God revealed to him. I'm gonna remind you guys what Laura was talking to us about when she was singing All Pretty and she's getting us to stir our spirits up and I'm calling your spirits forth right now because I know there's some tired bodies in this room. Wake up. <laughs> come on, I wanna come into this together, okay? I wanna say this, that what God reveals to you and you actually get a spirit revelation of it, he will transform you into that thing. When he reveals himself to you, you begin to change to become more like what he revealed about himself to you. Amen? So, so he, he revealed the foundation he's going to build his church upon, the rock, and, he, and he, he turned Peter, he transformed Peter into this thing that was going to become part of this foundation. Come on. All right, so, so God knows what truly is inside of people better than we know what's inside people. He knows what's inside of you better than you know. And when he calls that thing out, he, he draws it out of you, and he, he brings transformation into your life. And when you get transformed, you begin to manifest the thing that he transforms you into according to the revealing of himself to you. Amen. And so as God sees this simple but fundamental revelation, what revelation was it? That Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Such a basic, it's like almost elementary. It's 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 children's ministry concepts. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. It's so simple, but it's so foundational. So simple, but it's so profound, all right? So he sees the simple but fundamental revelation, and then he builds his entire church upon that thing that we in our humanity might think, oh, well, that's basic. And Jesus like, that's my foundation. That's everything to me. If you can believe who I am, I can build the kingdom through you. And not only does he build a church, he builds a church so solid, so powerful, that the gates of hell cannot shake it. I got to tell you that when God thinks about his church, he sees something far more powerful than what most Christians think the church is. And we need to wake up to what God sees, amen? And it's so powerful, that's why Satan is working so hard to try to demean the church and belittle and get people to believe less about it, to believe negatively about it, because the worse we can think about our own family, the more the devil has deceived us into believing that we're much weaker than, we thought, than God knows that we are. I know. We need to stop judging churches by human appearances and human measures. Yes, there's failures. Yes, there's problems. We know that. It doesn't take prophecy to diagnose problems in people's lives, all right? But what what does prophecy do? It's able to see past the problems and to see the goal that's in there that God has put in there that he wants to draw forth so that that people can come into the fullness of the good things that God has hidden inside people. He's done this with his church. There's gold in the church. He sees the church. He sees his church underneath all the man-made crap that we judge. Like we look at the, the man-made stuff and we judge the church and God's saying, yeah, but you're looking at the wrong part. I want to give you the ability to look underneath all that stuff and see what the real thing is that I've built because we got to get back to that thing and let's, let's work through the other stuff, but let's build on the real thing because I have a real church and it's real powerful. He said that, and in verse 18 says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. There's so many things to unpack, and that's why this is more than one sermon, all right? But I want to focus on this part. He says, I will build my church. He didn't say, you go build a church for me. He said, I will build my church. Whose church is it? Who builds it? So why are we talking bad about it? Okay. Uh, And then there's this question too that I hear often. When it talks about the church in these passages, is it talking about the is the is the church the universal church or is it the local church? Yes. Yes, it is. It is the universal church and it is the local church. And I want to propose to you guys that it is impossible to truly be an active part of the universal church without being a part of the local church. And that one makes a lot of people uncomfortable. I believe this very thoroughly. Some people think that they're a part of the church but are not actually engaging with the local body. But I want you to think of this. That would be, if you think, yeah, I'm part of the universal church, but I don't need to be a part of the local church. That would be similar to saying, I'm part of the human race, but I don't need a family. And the spirit of the world is trying to actually train our culture today to think that very way. I'm part of the human race, but I don't need a family. And it's the same demonic spirit, I believe, that's trying to, to train Christians to believe I can be part of the universal church, but I don't need the local body. Because it's the same thing. I say so saying I'm part of the big thing, but I don't need a family. That's 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 wrong. That'd be similar to a Jew in the in the Bible times. Saying, I'm part of Israel, but I'm not part of a, of a tribe. I, I don't want to claim any tribe. I'm not part of a clan. I'm not part of a family or a household. But I'm Israel. Give me the blessing. doesn't work that way, okay? And I want to say this. And I believe this with all my heart too. You have to have life on life. You have to have communal connection, congregational connection, corporate connection, interactive connection, koinonia connection. That word's actually in the Bible. Koinonia. Inter-exchange of committed body life to really be an active part of what Jesus calls his church. I believe that. I'm not saying that it has to be a certain type of church. I'm just saying that if, you're not, if we're not part, like actively involved with the church, we're, we're actually not actively involved with the universal too. You guys doing all right? Yeah, this passage that G, where Jesus is talking about this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. I believe he's talking about his universal church. And I also believe that it includes the local church. I believe believe that the universal church has to include the local church because God does it on every level, every layer, okay? The same way that the, the, the Torah was written for the nation and for the tribe and for the clan and for the family and for the individual, the same thing, okay? God thinks He He wants to He wants His kingdom saturating every level and He wants us involved on all the levels of that. Now I want to read this passage out of or that Jack Hayford wrote. If you know who Jack Hayford is, he was an amazing pastor, he's a theologian, uh, spirit-filled. He's the one who did the, the Spirit-filled Bible. I think it's called Life Application or something. He's got this book that he wrote, and he, he just went to heaven recently. Um, but there's a book called The Hayford's Handbook, and I got this from that. He says, the Greek word for church is ecclesia, an ancient Greek term for the people of a kingdom who are called to take their role as responsible citizens. So it, it came... I think a lot of people, if you've studied or learned about ecclesia, people talk about this stuff, and it actually was a secular word before it was a, a Christian word. But uh, but actually, it's talking about the people of a kingdom coming together and being a part together and having an active role together as a community. Okay. And so when Jesus says it, he's not trying to get us to emulate a world system. He's actually redefining it for his kingdom purpose to create a family. And if you want to have a healthy family, you got to be actively involved with it. All right, so let me continue. He says this, the word ecclesia is used 115 times in the New Testament. And I just told you, only twice in the Gospels, all right? And so, it's mostly in the book of Acts and the writings of the Apostle Paul and the general epistles. At least 92 of those 115 times, this word refers to a local congregation, okay? Guess what percentage that is. It's 80% of the times that the word "ecclesia" is in the Bible, it's literally speaking of a local church, local congregation. The other references, which there's about 23, okay, are to the whole church or what we call the universal church or to all believers everywhere in all ages, to all who follow Christ without respect to locality. and t- So 23 out of 115 times the word church would be referencing more of the global church, all right? The big, The big one. But that's 20%. So 80% of the times that the Bible talks about ecclesia, it's speaking to bring in health and order and value to the local church. How many of you guys think that if the Bible says something 115 times and 80% of it is focused on one thing, it's probably important to God? Good. We have something that we're agreeing on. Most of the New Testament emphasis on the church. Is on the idea of the local church or congregation the visible operation of the church in a given time, place, or community? All right, so what's the point? I was asking the question, like, when it talks about the church and God build it, Jesus building his church on that rock, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Is it the universal church or the local church? The answer is yes. All right? It's both. And, and we, need to be, we need to value both parts of that. All right, so, well, let me ask you again. What does Jesus build his church upon? The rock, and what is the rock? Revelation of Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit, to decipher. No, I, I, th- I think I know what you said. <laughs> I think you said the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Can anybody give an amen to that statement? All right, so let me ask this question. It's kind of the same question, and then you get to answer it again. What is the one essential thing that Jesus needs to see in a group of people to build his church upon? You got it. It's the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Getting tired of me saying it yet? I'm going to say it again. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay, that revelation is the very foundation for God to build his house upon. That's the one essential thing that Jesus needed to build his church that, that would shake hell with. Come on, guys because we we tend to look at churches and see what's right and what's wrong and this and that and that, that doesn't look like it's really the church or that looks like it's the church but then there's this and Jesus is like but look inside look in the spirit look at what I'm looking at do they have the revelation that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God because if they do he has his foundation he has his church come on now, I want to say, I want to be clear that it has to be the revelation of the true Christ because there are false Christ versions out there. Mormonism has a false Christ. I love Mormons, and I believe that there probably are Christians who are born again who are, who call themselves Mormons because they're just mixed up and stuff, all right? Because salvation comes by, by faith and His grace, right? And so I'm not judging people's eternity, but that that. Church movement, that's not that's not God's church. The Jehovah's Witnesses, the Universalist Church, that stuff where the that talks about there's other ways to God. No, that's false Christ. Jesus said, "I am the only way to the Father." All right. So, but but I'm talking. I'm just talking about the churches. All right, church that that truly believes that this is God's word, and we know Jesus from this realm. All right, you get what I'm saying. Now, I want to say that doesn't mean that, that that revelation is the only thing that needs to be a church. There are other essential things that are required that Jesus would use to help build his church into the church. But that revelation is the foundation. He needs things to build his church. Things like sound biblical doctrine. That's important to build the church with, right? Discipleship to Jesus Christ. That's important. That he, could, he has to have that to build his church. There has to be unity in the church, and not just unity, but unity, this focusing agreement of faith in the right things and in the right focus points and, and the, bar, the parts of the body coming together and, and worshiping together and serving together and having a great commission purpose like he needs these things in order to build a church with, all right? There, there needs to be recognizable church government and leadership in churches. That's, that's biblical and it's needed, it, but it needs to be healthy, okay? So not the dictatorial ship type leadership, not that type but healthy, like fathers and mothers raising sons and daughters in the faith kind of leadership and government, all right? And, and that can be scaled from simple to extravagant, depending on the size of the church and the needs and everything. Doesn't mean like one's not more right than the other because they do it this way and that one does that way. Well, there's probably reasons for it. Let's just maybe not judge it. <laughs> you guys wake with me this morning? So then, there needs to be communal fellowship, an act of commitment to the body that's centered around Jesus Christ. These things are needed to create a church, but but we can't focus on those now because I'm focusing on this that Jesus is building on this foundation, and the foundation is the revelation of who Jesus really is. All right, and He said, "I will build my church." He says, "I will build my church." Will means it didn't actually happen yet when jesus said this there wasn't actually a church yet the church didn't come until the day of pentecost which was sometime later all right but he's saying i will build my church he's promising that and he sure did boy did he build it and boy was it powerful it was powerful guess what it's still powerful it just doesn't know it yet He says, "I will build my church." Whose church? His church. His church. And, and sometimes I, I, I hear people talk to me about overflow. Then maybe they'll visit or they'll be here for a little while, and they'll 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 reference things about overflow, and they'll say, "Your church," like like they're saying, like it's my church. And and I'm I'm just thinking, like I, I get what you're saying, but it's actually his church. It's not. I'm not, i I might be the senior dude here, like. It's not my church. It's his church. Okay? And, but I also, I, I love it, though, when people reference it as your church, but then after a while, like, they really get involved in stuff, and they start falling in love with people, and then they, change, they shift calling it your church to our church. That's one of my favorite things I ever hear. It's when I heard somebody say your church, and then they all of a sudden they start saying it's our church. I love that. But we got to really remember, though, that primarily it's Jesus' church. We need to understand that. We need to understand that at a spirit level, as a revelatory level. This is is Jesus' church. (laughs) Jesus loves his church. Come on, guys. All right? And because it's Jesus' church... And he and it's our church together. We get to call our church collectively with Jesus. All right. So it's our church together. But just can I planet overflow with a vision, with a calling, a mandate. And we came here and we've been leading it, and we've been visionaries, and we've been we've been doing all the stuff that we feel like we're supposed to do. By no means perfect. By all means, probably lots of flaws. I'm sure people see him. Some people might even talk about him. I don't know. If you do, pray or repent, whichever one you need to do. But, but uh, like, if anybody thinks of this thing and, and, we, and you just think of it naturally as this is our church or our dream or our project, our vision, and, and that's as far as your perspective of it goes, you're missing everything that's, that's essential here. Because you gotta, you got to understand this. Just the same way as, as the, the revelation to see Jesus from the Spirit, like God gave Peter the ability to do so, we need to be able to see the church from the Spirit the way God sees it too. And we need to realize it's actually it's superior. Like when we, we, we can think of it from flesh and blood, the soul realm, and we, and we see things and we're like, well, we, we can even judge, like, well, they should have done this, or, or I like how they're doing that thing, and we can rank things and maybe even want to throw it on Yelp to give it however many stars you think it deserves. But, like, where, where's Jesus in your view? Where's Jesus in your view? Because this was his dream. This is his vision, it's his plan, it's his church. It's his work. It's what he's building. We get, to, we get the blessing of co-laboring with Jesus and being a part of what he's doing, but we have to fundamentally understand that Jesus is in this, and he's doing it because he loves it, and he loves you, and he loves everybody else who's not here this morning. He loves everybody else who is yet to come to this church. And he loves those who have came and then they've already gone. He loves everybody, and this is his. It's precious to him. And the church down the road feels the same way about that one. The church that maybe some of you came from, maybe there was stuff that that didn't feel good or whatever, but Jesus is able to see beneath the flaws and to see a people who truly love Jesus, who truly know Him for who He is, and He loves them, and He still deems that as His church Amen. that He's building. <clears throat> you guys all right? Now, I want to say this. I don't think any of you guys would do this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Don't slander Jesus' body. He doesn't like it. It's okay to to have a bad experience somewhere and feel like you can't stay there and you need to go somewhere else to heal and to and maybe God shifts your season and your focus like it's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying anything on that. That's okay, but what's not okay is for us to carry bruises and wounds and bitterness and nurse the, the wound, nurse it, and continue having judgments towards people because they, you felt like they did you wrong. It's not okay. Jesus loves them. I, I, know, I know somebody might have wounded you. He loves them as much as he loves you, believe it or not. And he, he really wants to see reconciliation in his body and healing. There's, there's wounds. The, the body of Christ is all bruised up and, and, and there's pus festering because people aren't actually tending to the wound. And the only way to tend to it is to, is to release stuff to the Lord and let him come heal it. And you bring wholeness together again. Doesn't mean he's sending everybody back to their old places. I'm just saying like we got to work through our heart stuff and we got to have love. The the world will know you're my disciples. How? Because the way you love one another. And guess what? The world is having a really hard time seeing a church loving one another well. And we want to be a city on a hill. The light of the world and the world looks upon us, and we're there's this problem, there's that problem, and they're doing horrible and hill song and whatever the thing is. How about this thing called edification that the Bible teaches us about? Because that's called building one another up. Come on, guys. It's important. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's the one who is building his church. We get the privilege of co laboring with him. And, and you know what? Like, God actually needs us to work with him and partner because the church is the, the, the earthly embodiment of heaven on earth. Okay? We are, we're the, the flesh of Jesus Christ, we're the body. Listen to that. We are the body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. Do you think Jesus looks in the mirror and he says, you are disgusting? <laughs> Jesus is the one who taught us how to love ourselves well and to love others as ourself. He loves himself. And guess what? He loves his body Yeah, he sees stuff, and guess what? He's trying to heal it. As a matter of fact, he died on the cross in order to heal it. A perfect God is building his church with imperfect people, and that's beautiful because that includes you, (laughs) and it includes me. His grace covers a a lot of the junk the Bible even says that love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. In Psalm 127.1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Okay, so God's the one who's building His house, but we also labor with Him. So if we're trying to build this thing without Him, we're actually building in vain. We're building something that His hands are not on. We're building works that he's not blessing, and we might even call it the church. Everybody, all right? We're building with Jesus. He powers it from heaven, we construct it from the earth. Pretty amazing. He fits us like a glove, all right? It's supernatural, coming into natural and making it supernaturally natural. It's his church. It's you and me, right? And he loves loves our human touch. He loves it. He loves your human touch. As as flawed as it might be, he loves your human touch. And even the imperfections, if they're done it with a good heart, he still sees the goodness in it, all right? And, and, I mean, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, we We have treasures in earth and vessels, That the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. God actually fills earthen vessels. That means imperfect things made out of the earth, the earth realm. It's not, it's not divine. It's, it's crafted by humanity, right? And it's, it's imperfect as mud. <laughs> but it's a vessel. But, but he puts the glory and love and kingdom in it. And guess what? We imperfect ones get to carry the perfect one. And people are judging the imperfect, imperfect, and they're missing what really this is all about. It's not even about you and me. It's about him. People leaving the church in the droves because they got offended by a human when they forgot to look at Jesus himself. I think this is a pretty good message myself, but... The church, the ecclesia, is what Jesus builds with our partnership to him, the partnership of heaven and earth. I want to, say, I want to speak to this, too. <clears throat> if we build any part that he is not building, doesn't mean he's not building something. It just means we put a human add-on to the real thing, Okay? But the, but the parts that we build that God was not dreaming into, but we just tried to do it because we thought that's what it should look like, I'll bet you that most times, not maybe not every time, but some of the times that part right there, God would not actually qualify as his church. Okay? That, the, the human add-ons. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't still have his church in it. And I think sometimes we can look at the human add-on things And we can say, well, that is not the church. And we can look at three songs and and a poem. That's not the church because that's not really what this is. Or we can look at the stages and, and the lights and the smoke machines. That's not the church. Or we can look at the programs or whatever. That's not, well, I don't know. If Jesus led them to build it and he was in it, then it actually is part of his church. And who are you to decide that? Who am I to decide that? But if it wasn't, okay. That doesn't mean that the whole is not the church. And a lot of times people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Because we see things that look human made. But we're missing the God made part. I hope you guys are taking in the spirit and the heart of what I'm saying here. I'm having a hard time telling if you, if you are. I think you are. Okay. But... Yeah, let me move on. I, I, all right, I want to get to the, the good meat here. I want, I want to get back to the revelation concept, all right? We talked about the Father revealed to Peter something that there's no way he could humanly have seen about Jesus. He, re, he, he removed the veil off his eyes so he could see in the Spirit, see Jesus, whoa, he's more than just a man who's anointed. This is God. I'm beholding Yahweh right in the ear. And human flesh. That's incredible. Could you imagine? Could you imagine walking with Jesus for a couple of years? And you're like honored because he's like the coolest dude ever. And then all of a sudden the Lord reveals, He like actually peels back the flesh of Jesus, and you see this glowing light of Yahweh, and you're like, Whoa, you've been you you you've been around for ages, eons, forever sitting on the throne of God, I see you now. I I was taking you for granted, but now I know who you really are. (laughs) That'd be a profound experience, right? So revelation changed you to become more like the ways that he reveals. So Peter saw the thing that he was going to build with, the, the foundation, the revelation of who Jesus is, and Jesus changed him to be like the thing he revealed to him. Simon morphed into Petro's. By the revealing of the kingdom of God. That's powerful. So we manifest how we become transformed. You, manif- you, 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 be, you emulate and you become the thing that God's transforming you into, right? And so we're transformed by the ways that God reveals himself to us personally. All right. You guys are a people who love Revelation. I know that. Okay? So he, he changed Simon into Petros because Petros was, had the Petra revealed to him. God revealed. He became like. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Guess what? So this, this goes with every person who God ever reveals glimpses of who he is and you actually catch it with your spirit man, he's revealing his spirit to you. He's releasing himself. He's imparting that part of his, his DNA to you so that it'll take and actually transform you and you become more like that. And that's why in 1 John 3 it says that, that we will become like him when we see him. Okay? Here's, here's something else I want to tell you. That fact, that truth that I just told you, doesn't just apply to the individual, it applies to the churches. It applies to the churches because God reveals himself to different peoples, different families, different churches, different ways. He, he, I want to reveal this part of my nature to you because this is who I know you are and I want to draw that out of you. I want you to be so strong and fruit-filled and lavishly revealing to the world around you this part of who I am. So I'm going to make this church like my arm because I'm revealing myself in that way. And, and, and I, I want to reveal myself to this other church in this way because I want to make you like this. I want you to bring this essence of who I am into the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you my eye so you can see things like nobody else. And so he he creates, how does he do it though? He reveals himself in certain ways to different peoples so that he can release himself to different peoples and they can become more like him in that way. And when he does this in communities, what happens is there's different cultures that get created within communities because it's the expression of God's revealing of himself to them in those ways. And so different churches are going to look like different Bodies, different parts of the body. There's going to be different cultures. There's going to be different ways. There's going to be different government styles. There's going to be different focal points and different sermon focal points. All these different things. But, you know, maybe that's not the one that you felt like God was calling you into. But that doesn't mean that was not 100% God brewing that thing in them. Because he needs that piece being revealed. As his whole body can love one another and honor one another, come together in unity, the bride begins to be fashioned and formed. <laughs> so he gives different revelations, different graces, different purposes, different expressions, and this is called the body of Christ. It's why churches look different. Because we need the full expression of the body. And in 1 Corinthians 13, you know the chapter that tells us to love one another and to not hold records of wrongs and to not judge. You know that that awesome chapter. It also says we know in part and we prophesy in part. And so God actually is very intentional to not give you the whole thing because he needs part of that to be given to the other person so that when you come together you have more of a full expression of who he is. We actually need one another, but we can't receive from one another if we don't honor one another and love one another and see God's goodness and his gold in one another. So the more that we're judging people because we see the junk, we're missing out on the gold that God has, and he's trying to fashion this thing together, and it happens through honor and love. Come on, guys. Jesus thinks the different qualities of each church stream is beautiful. He invented it. Some aspects of Christ's nature may be underdeveloped. Because people don't understand yet. And so they're, with an underdeveloped understanding, there can be gaps and there can be flaws and stuff. So, but, but that doesn't mean that he's not actually doing the good thing in there. We need to pray that God will continue to bless that and increase that on them. Come on. I'm getting close to wrapping up your promise. Wednesday night, we had prayer here. And... I, th- I thought we were going to focus on certain things like doing corporate prayer and stuff, but I came here early and I laid out on the floor here. And God definitely changed the plan for me, but I, I, just was, I was trying to just press into his heart. But while I was doing that, I, I started feeling, I felt angels come into the room. And I felt the presence of the Lord come and touch me. And I was, I, the, the main prayer point that I wanted to focus on for the night was God to bring refreshing to our church, refreshing and renewal. And, and so we were going to pray for that, but I felt his presence and the Lord said, you can, you can focus by your flesh on praying for refreshing and renewal, or you can recognize that I'm right here and I'm just wanting you to come right into it. And so I started feeling his presence over me. And while I was laying there, I'm going to read this to you, what I wrote down about this. While I was laying there and I was feeling his presence on me, this is what happened. I've been laying here feeling the Holy Spirit, and I felt like angels came in. I felt like God told me he has been doing more in the church than I know, even in the lull, because I've kind of felt like there's been a bit of a lull in the church Lately, but he said, I'm doing more than you know in the church, even in the lull and even in my rest, my rest. Okay, that's pretty cool. But I just had an encounter. I saw Jesus come into our church, and he was so excited about us and the church. Imagine that. I was really having an encounter. This wasn't just like this was a real thing to me. He he was excited about us. He was excited about the church, and he was thrilled, thrilled. I've never had anything like this happen before. And he, he looked like someone who had just stepped into an incredible house that was designed, built, and decorated just for him. He was looking at it, looking all around it with joy and with wonder, Everything he was looking at, he was saying things like, Oh, I love that. Or, Ooh, I love what you did with that. He said, it was awesome. And he was looking at each person, you guys, and, and those of you who aren't here this morning, he's looking at each person, so thrilled that they're here in a part of a home, this home of his. There was wonder, mystery, Artistic expression, ambiance, and it just felt so right to him. It reminded me of all those shows on discovery that Jessica watches, where people they go into a home and they want to buy it, and they're like every they'll go into this room. she's been watching this one about these beach homes that they're like millions of dollars. they'll go in there "Whoa, look at that!" Oh, look at that!" But then they'll go in another room and they'll be like. Eh, that's got to go. Jesus did not do that part, right? He was just in awe of every, the whole thing. Like, there was nothing. And so it, it reminded me of that, And except it was handcrafted and perfectly suited for him as a gift. He loved it. And it was a home perfectly built to suit his heart. It was like how a child would create something wholeheartedly to bless their parent and how much the parent loved everything about it. He saw no flaw, no gap. He only saw the goodness of what was created. That's amazing. That's what he thinks of you. That's beautiful to me. Like he, this is a bigger deal. It's a way bigger deal than we know. We need to align our hearts to the way he sees things. And he feels that way about the next church down the road and the one on the other side of that and the one one block right of that. And then there's probably one on every other block and a few more blocks because there's just a lot of churches around here. Guess what? Like Jesus, he's not going around on Sunday morning saying, ah, curse that church. We're going to shut that one down soon. No. No, he's, I love these people. Love these people. I love what you're doing with this. Now, we know it's him who's building it, but we've co-labor, and he adores our partnership with him. It's amazing. How are you guys doing right now? You good? I got to close this, and uh, I, I need to just, let me let me read a couple of things, and then I'm then I'm done. I'm gonna, we're gonna pray, all right? I, I wrote this down. The the same way that it took the Father to reveal that Jesus, the flesh and blood Son of Man, was actually the Christ, the Son of the Living God, the same way He revealed that, is the same way that He wants us. He He wants us to see the Church how He sees it. The way that He revealed Jesus to Peter. He wants to reveal the church to you. Most people are viewing the church through the eyes of the flesh and blood and completely missing what Jesus is actually seeing. We do this all the time with just ourselves and with people too. Most people are viewing the church, oh, I just said that the body of Christ is not the fleshy thing that people tend to assume the church is. Okay? That's not actually the church. Okay? It is the spirit of it that is what Jesus sees. Second Corinthians 5.16 there, Therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now... We know him thus no longer. We can't, we can't look at one another from flesh eyes anymore. That's not okay anymore. Like we, we have to understand the finished work of the cross. We've got to understand the new creation realities. And we need to be able to see each other from the finished work perspective, not the flesh perspective. And that's what we need to do towards God's church too. See it from the spirit, new creation perspective not the flesh perspective. Whatever flesh and blood reveals to you that you think is the church, that would not be able to stop the gates of Hades from prevailing against it. If, if people are anchoring themselves on the man-made add-on parts of the church that Jesus actually wasn't in, it will never prevail against hell. But when we get to what Jesus actually calls His church, and we can, we knit ourselves to that, Hades cannot shake it. We must know who we truly are as the church, and see things as they truly are in the spirit. All right, I want to just I'm going to pronounce this, and then we're going to close this. What Jesus builds, what Jesus builds, and He builds His church, and He builds it on a on what He considers a solid foundation. That's all He needs. You believe in me, you see me in the spirit, you see I'm the Messiah, the Christ, and I'm the Son of the living God. Let's build my church. I'm gonna build this thing so strong that even hell cannot shake it. That's powerful. So, what Jesus builds is to be highly honored and highly valued. What Jesus builds is built to last. If it's not lasting, people are relying on something that wasn't what Jesus built. What Jesus builds is secure. What Jesus builds is trustworthy, is right, is holy. What Jesus builds is greater than any imperfections that you and I are looking at. (laughs) What Jesus builds is far greater than our flesh can perceive, but needs the revelation of the Spirit of God to help us understand it at a higher level. What Jesus builds is powerful, is dynamic, and is prevailing against Satan and the gates of hell. That's what Jesus builds. And I just want to say, you're far greater than you believe you are. You're far greater than you believe you are. Once you guys stand with me? Is this is this benefiting anybody? Good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Let me. Let's just pray, Lord. I I pray in Jesus' name that you will open the eyes of our hearts to be able to perceive by the, by the Spirit of God and the Father. Lord, I pray for a renewal of our, of our revelation of you first as the Son of God, the, the Christ and the Son of the living God, Lord, that you'll just give us all a fresh revelation, a fresh encounter of you, Jesus. Lord, just a, just a deepening of, of knowing you, and of intimacy with you, and just of full, full capture by you. Lord, a a fresh renewing of, of just laid down lover of Jesus Christ, because we now know more than we did who you are. Show us, Lord. And I pray also, Holy Spirit, open our eyes to be able to perceive the church, your church, what you are building, Lord, see it the way you see it. Because what you're building is so much greater than what we see with our natural eyes. Help us, God. Help us to know, Lord, that you actually, uh, you actually see us so greatly that you've put your hope in us to change the world. <laughs> yeah, Receive that for a moment. Lord, give us us insight by the Spirit of God to see how great your church is and help us to love. And I pray, Holy Spirit, if there's anybody in here who has leadership wounds or church wounds, church hurts, people hurts, whether it be something that happened here or somewhere else, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll bring healing. I pray in Jesus' name, help people to take this very seriously, that that it's not okay to hold on to that stuff, but healing needs to come. And I ask you to bring healing. I pray that you'll bring complete restoration, and I pray that you'll be able to fill our hearts with a love and honor and value for your bride, in Jesus' name. Amen.